Okay, hello everybody, today is Friday. Another Anything Goes Friday, welcome to the show. And if this is the first episode that you've ever clicked on from this channel, I do three episodes a week. One is about the Zodiac Killer on Monday, and Friday is an Anything Goes segment where any subject is fair game. And even though it is normally something that is more or less a random topic, I was going to talk about the Zodiac Killer today, and do a direct response to Mike Rodelli's book, The Hunt for Zodiac. But there was something a little bit more recent and contemporary, and that is that Tom Colbert appeared on Megyn Kelly's show, which is available on SiriusXM and also streamed and uploaded here onto YouTube. So I decided to respond to that, but the episode about Mike Rodelli's book, The Hunt for Zodiac, has already been recorded, so I will be releasing that on Monday for the Zodiac Monday segment. And if you are new to the channel, I invite you to hit that like button and subscribe so you can follow along with all of these true crime discussions, talking about true crime, serial killers, especially the Zodiac Killer, but many more. I do a regular segment on the Wednesday show about the Long Island serial killer for the time being, but I'm planning to um, explore some other cases on the Wednesday show as well. And... To everybody who is listening on YouTube, this show is also available for free downloads at Launchpad 1. There's a link to that in the description box. You can download the audio version of this program, take it on the go, anywhere and anyhow. If you would like to download the video version, you can use YouTube Premium, but that one you have to pay for. Launchpad 1 is free. And to anyone who would like to make a contribution to help support all of these efforts, you can go over to buymeacoffee.com. Under the name BlackBoxNid88, there's a link to that in the description. It's a donation site, and anybody who makes a contribution will get a shout-out on Zodiac Mondays. So, some people in the comments section had told me that Megyn Kelly had done an interview with Tom Colbert, who is part of the Casebreakers, and actually the founder of this Casebreakers organization, which claims to have 40 people and over 1,500 years of experience. Can you believe that? I guess talking about everybody's very lengthy careers in military intelligence, as well as law enforcement, all kinds of things under the sun and in the darkness. And um, if you haven't heard that yet, I want you to keep listening, because I'm going to try and make this episode available to people who have heard it and those who have not, and talk about things in somewhat of a more direct manner or fashion, because I really found that Megyn Kelly and Tom Colbert were jumping all over the map, and to the credit of Megyn Kelly, she was trying to keep him focused and on point and explain things that she thought that the audience and the general public would not be familiar with. I've never been the biggest fan of Megyn Kelly in the past, especially when she did that Sunday night news magazine, like a television news magazine for NBC. I thought that she would ask the guests like one or two solid challenge questions, and the rest of it would all be slow-pitch softball. But um, I digress from that. And as far as the interview structure, instead of the way they did it, just going all over and talking about things in a very roundabout way. Okay, let's talk about the 1968. Okay, let's talk about 1986. Okay, let's talk about 1962. I thought that perhaps for this episode I could respond to some of the points in a chronological order. But to absolutely begin, I would like to say some praiseworthy things about Thomas Colbert and the Casebreakers. 
The first is, I think that it's somewhat of an interesting observation that he made about how the Zodiac Killer is competing for publicity, almost marketing himself to different newspapers. Because the Zodiac Killer was a serial killer that operated in the San Francisco Bay Area in 1968 and 69, but there were also pre-Zodiac crimes that begin as early as 1962 and go on well into, well, we don't even know when these crimes could have possibly ended, and we'll discuss that throughout the duration of the recording. But the Zodiac also wrote letters, the Zodiac also wrote ciphers, cryptograms for people to solve that could reveal his identity, the Zodiac made phone calls, the Zodiac wrote a message on a car door, the Zodiac made a bus bomb diagram. So there are lots of taunts, and someone is bragging about their criminal behavior and committing murders nonetheless and threatening other people because the Zodiac even goes from more than just a serial killer. The Zodiac's behavior escalates to the level of domestic terrorism if he's going to be threatening to blow up a bus of children and so on. But on that note, Tom Colbert pointed out that the Zodiac is trying to market himself to the different newspapers because the first cryptogram that was written by the Zodiac Killer, called the 408 Cipher, was mailed in three parts to three different newspapers, the San Francisco Chronicle, the San Francisco Examiner, and the Vallejo Times-Herald. And that's actually why the Vallejo Times-Herald contacted the FBI, because what the Zodiac says is, if you don't print this in your paper, then I'm going to go on a kill rampage. And Megyn Kelly, as a broadcaster, talked about that's a damned-if-you-do, damned-if-you-don't situation because, well, no matter which way you respond, something bad is going to happen. So the Vallejo Times-Herald contacted the FBI on these um, extortion charges, and that's how the FBI became first connected to the Zodiac Killer mystery. But, I mean, I think that it's important to discuss because not only did they point out though there are those three newspapers... They even were discussing the L.A. Times letter and showing that the Zodiac is just kind of going around shopping for attention, and it's an interesting observation all the same. The second praiseworthy thing I would say about Thomas Colbert is that he talked about how these Zodiac ciphers contain some very, very precise symbols, and they're also well-drawn symbols, well-written symbols, and he believes that they came from a code book that was used in the Air Force, and Gary Francis Post, his suspect, was ex-Air Force, and his Zodiac Killer suspect worked on radar systems, and he said that the code book that would have been used to create these symbols would have been found on Air Force bases all across the country. Almost every single Air Force base would have had a copy of that book. And to his credit, I believe he meant that his suspect, Gary Post, would have had some type of self-modification incorporated into the ciphers because Megan Kelly asked a rather reasonable question when she said that, okay, well, if this is from a code book that is found at any Air Force base in the country, wouldn't have some other airmen just have said, hey, that's from our code book, hey, what's going on, and then alerted the authorities? I, I think that he means there was some type of self-modification going on, but it is um, an interesting observation about tying the Zodiac Killer to the Air Force all the same. To start at the beginning of the Zodiac's pre-activity, it's important to remember that these crimes are not official and confirmed, and Megyn Kelly uh, did point out that the pre-Zodiac crimes from 62 to 66 
are not officially linked to the Zodiac, but they talked about the 1962 murder of Ray Davis. Ray Davis was a taxi driver who lived in Oceanside, California, where he was working with the Checker Cab Company. And Tom Colbert's theory was that Gary Francis Post was in Santa Barbara at the time, and he thought that he could have taken the train down to Oceanside, committed the murder of Ray Davis, and taken the train back to um, Santa Barbara, and he wouldn't have even been on the radar. No one would have known that it was him. He evaded capture by simply moving around or committing a crime in a town that wasn't his. But um, there's some there's some definite um, both similarities and difference with the murder of Ray Davis and the Zodiac activity, because Tom Colbert points out that there were phone calls made when he says that I'm going to pull something real nasty in Oceanside and you'll never be able to figure it out, and that's before the murder. After the murder, there's another taunting phone call, but Tom Colbert incorrectly stated that the Zodiac said, I'm going to uh, blow up a school bus, or, I mean, like I'm paraphrasing, but he said something about how the Zodiac's going to use his bus bomb. I don't believe that that's the exact text that was used. I think that it's closer to, I'm going to get me a bus driver next, threatening to kill the bus driver, rather than the, um, the ghoul bus or the students. And this is important because the Zodiac killer threatened school kids. He said he's going to get the children as they come bouncing off the bus, and he also said that he was going to make a bus bomb. But I don't believe he ever actually threatened the bus driver. And some people have built their theories around this. They think, that, oh, well, obviously, he's a bus driver of some sort. He's mad at the uh, kids that he's driving around, and he is mad at the uh, school, um, oh, what is the word? what is the exact word, the school zone and the uh, board of education and so on. He wants to blow up the school bus, but not threatening the bus driver. Anyway, I don't particularly like theories that rely on, well, it could have been this or could have been that, and that's the extent of it, saying, okay, well, he could have taken the train down and then committed the murder, and he could have gone back without being detected. I'm just not super impressed by that. But then, moving on to 1963 and 64, there were two double homicides that took place. One of them is the Domingos Edwards murders that took place in 1963 that saw the murders of Robert Domingos and Linda Edwards. However, they really didn't discuss this one too much in the interview. Instead, they began with the murders of Johnny Ray and Joyce Swindle in 1964. And I don't know if Thomas Colbert was just nervous or something, but he first stated that the Swindle murders occurred in 1962, and later on he self-corrected, and um, I think that maybe he was just sidetracked or scatterbrained for a second. But um, he also said, though, that they were almost completely identical to the other crimes committed by the Zodiac. However, I believe that Johnny Ray Swindle's watch was stolen and I don't recall the Zodiac ever doing that with another crime. A watch will be important in the Sherry Joe Bates case, but I'm um I just uh I'm not convinced that they are identical. And also the swindles were shot at a much greater distance than the other victims. But then you get to nineteen sixty six, and this is the murder of Sherry Joe Bates, a crime that the casebreakers have heavily tried to pin on Gary Francis Post, their Zodiac killer suspect. 
and and I want to be very clear, they believe that all of these crimes were committed by the same person. Their suspect was the Zodiac Killer, as well as all of these pre-Zodiac crimes, Gary Francis Post of Groveland, California. And Sherry Jo Bates was a student at the Riverside City College. She was murdered on October 30th of 1966, and they were sharing their evidence. Number one, Gary Francis Post was a painter, house painter, and he was even um, part of a painting union, actually. I First time I've heard that. But And they found speckles of paint on a watch band that had been ripped off during the struggle with Sherry Jo Bates. And they say that they can place Gary Post in the area that he was getting a physical for the military just minutes away from where Sherry Jo Bates was murdered. I haven't seen the exact... Um, evidence that they have for that or the corroborating evidence i've definitely heard the story before people have even shared that in the comments section that gary post would have been 15 minutes away for his um physical for the military at the time and um i'm i'm just simply waiting to hear more about that but again speckles of paint that really isn't the most um convincing part of it however there's, um, there were three pieces of writing that were sent in after the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, and Tom Colbert incorrectly stated that in 2021 that somebody had confessed to two letters and that someone had said that they were responsible for writing these two letters. It was a teenager at the time, and then he confessed that it was some type of childish prank or a teenage prank, really and he had been ruled out as the killer. Well, there aren't two letters. There are these three sets of writing, and they are the, firstly, the Riverside Confession, which was mailed in November of 1966. As I said, Sherry Jo was murdered on October 30th, and the Riverside Confession took credit for the crime, said, Miss Bates was stupid. She went to the slaughter like a lamb. Beware, I'm stalking your girls now. And then there is the desktop poem that was discovered in December of 1966, which says, Sick of living, unwilling to die, blood spilled all over her red dress. Oh, well, it was red anyway. I messed that up. It's blood spilled all over her dress. Oh, well, it was red anyway. And then there are the three letters, not two, but three letters that were mailed in the spring of 1967, that say Bates had to die, there will be more. And there was one that was mailed to Sherry Joe's father that said she had to die, there will be more. And Tom Colbert said that the letter, there, there were two letters mailed in the spring of 67, and they said she deserved to die, not she had to die. And I know I'm nitpicking a little bit, but it does go to show you that um, Tom Colbert doesn't have the strongest understanding of the Zodiac killer material coming from an organization of 1500 years of experience that says that they have solved the case. However, when I heard the interview that Dale Julin did on the Case Breakers channel, he definitely seemed much more fluent in the Zodiac material and the Zodiac um, pieces of information, for lack of a better term. But here was a big problem, though, with that being said. They tried to begin the interview by talking about, first of all, the swindle crimes, and then they moved to the Lake Harmon Road murders, which occurred on December 20th of 1968. And 
when they were introducing the subject, Tom Colbert asked Megyn Kelly to tell him, um, what was the name of the city where that happened? And I thought, oh my goodness, he's already blanking on, like, the first Zodiac crime, and I don't mean to be hard on him, but, like, the Lake Herman Road murders, as I understand it, didn't even occur in a city. They were in between Benicia and Vallejo, and they weren't even within the town limits of either place, as I understand. That was something that I had just been reading in Mike Rodelli's book, The Hunt for Zodiac. And as far as the Lake Herman Road murders took place, it was a double homicide that saw the deaths of David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen. David was 17 and Betty Lou was 16. But then they move on to the July 4th, 1969 shooting that saw the deaths of Mike Michaud and Darlene Farron. And this is the first time when the Zodiac Killer is going to make a phone call and take credit for the crime. The shooting, as I would guess, occurred at 11.55 p.m. on July 4th of 1969. The phone call that came in was on July 5th of 1969 at 12.40 a.m. And then Gary Post's um, theory... The theory involving Gary Post begins to change a little bit because they get to the Lake Berryessa stabbing. On September 27th of 1969, the Zodiac Killer would strike again, going after Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard. And Megan Kelly, of all people, just flat out asked Tom Colbert, what do you make of all the differences between the Lake Berryessa stabbing and these other pre-Zodiac crimes? At Lake Berryessa, the killer is wearing a hood, the killer is bringing pre-cut lengths of rope. The killer is stabbing the victims. The killer is operating during the daytime. And I did appreciate her skepticism, even though I would expect that a production team would be involved, because for a show that large or dealing with a talk show host that is that famous, I'm speculating that there are probably a lot of people who are supplying her with the types of questions to ask or um, the certain things that she can do to uh, just bring about regular challenges to these types of material. But um, Gary Post, uh, or I should say in their theory, Gary Post would then strike again on October 11th of 1969, murdering Paul Stein, the taxi driver, in Presidio Heights in San Francisco. Now, you may have already heard that Ray Davis was a taxi driver who was murdered in 1962, roughly seven years earlier, and there are a lot of people out there who believe that the murder of Ray Davis was committed by the Zodiac Killer, and there are a lot of people who dispute this. I tend to think that Ray Davis was not a victim of the Zodiac, as I'm not convinced that any of these pre-Zodiac crimes were actually the same killer. But I thought it was um not the best response when Megan Kelly is just flat out asking Tom Colbert, well, how did... um the Zodiac prove that he committed the murder of Paul Stein in in 1969, and Tom Colbert pretty much goes blank, and she asks the question in a different way, and says, well, how do we know that the murder of Ray Davis and the murder of Paul Stein were by the same person? And he thinks for a second, and he says, they were both shot in the back of the head. And I was like, <laughs> Well, that's your brilliant evidence. I mean, that's like your criminal forensic intelligence kicking in there. And 
the, the sad part is Paul Stein was not even shot in the back of the head. He was shot in the side of the head. But what I think what she was doing is she has notes, right? And she's just trying to egg him on to say, oh, well, the Zodiac Killer took credit for the murder of Paul Stein by writing in multiple letters that contained a piece of Paul Stein's bloody shirt. And Megan Kelly was the first person to say that in the interview. I'm sure Tom Colbert had heard that at some point. And I also want to be very clear about something. Some people can have a high understanding of a subject, even if they don't memorize every single piece of information. But it really, there, there's a difference between not having every single fact or detail memorized and not having a basic understanding of the case. And I, I still, to, to this very minute, wonder why on earth did they put Tom Colbert up there as opposed to Dale Julen, who knows this material a lot better. I don't agree with his observations, but um, he definitely can talk about the case much more freely because Tom Colbert was having a lot of trouble trying to answer certain questions about when did the crimes begin and when did they end, as well as a very big question that was asked by Megyn Kelly. How many letters did the Zodiac Killer write? And if they had asked me that question, I would have simply said, oh, it's uncertain, we don't know. Because it was my understanding that these newspapers, like the Times-Herald, or as we said, the San Francisco Chronicle and the San Francisco Examiner, are getting hundreds of letters, and they are often discarded. They're just these little scraps of paper that are saying something like, I'm the Zodiac Killer, I'm coming to get you. And they're like, there's no possible way this is real. So they weren't taken seriously. But what um, Tom Colbert could have said was, and um, he tried to talk about the later Zodiac communications, but first he said the Zodiac letters stopped in 1969, the confirmed ones. Absolutely not. That is just so radically not true. I mean, the Zodiac letters continued well into 1971, particularly the one that was mailed from Pleasanton, California. And then the Zodiac letters, I repeat, confirmed letter, resurfaces in 1974, that is the exorcist letter. For all intents and purposes, the exorcist letter that was mailed in January of 1964 was, is confirmed. I mean, until I see something to the contrary, uh, some people have expressed doubt. I mean, I was even curious if it was authentic, going well over two years without any Zodiac communications, but I mean, I've kind of I've rather accepted now that it is an authentic letter. It's the one that says, I, I saw and think that The Exorcist was the best satirical comedy ever. P.S. If I don't see this note in your paper, I'll do something nasty, which you know I'm capable of. And there's some lines from the Mikado in there. But I'm um, definitely well after 1969. And what I think he was trying to say was that the Zodiac letters went well into the 1980s. I mean, possibly even beyond. And um, a more suitable answer would be that, okay, so you have these letters resurfacing in 1974, the Exorcist letter and the um, Count Marco letter that has the thing about the Red Phantom. And there are several communications in... Um, 1974, the SLA letter would be another one. Then there is the 1978 letter, which pays a direct um, reference to Dave Toski. It says, that city pig Toski is good, but I've been much better or clever or something like that. And Dave Toski is actually a suspect for writing that. Dave Toski, one of the detectives in the case, 
and he was featured in the 2007 film Zodiac. But the Zodiac letters went well into the 1980s. There's even a letter that talks about the Atlanta child murders. There's the 1982 Santa Claus card, which possibly connects the murder of Joan Webster. There is the 1986 letter, which um, takes credit for a double homicide that um, occurred off of the Sacramento freeways, and those were the murders of Koi and Seichao and Choi Fao Sali. And then there's the 1987 letter, the 1990 Eureka card, the 2001 card. The 2001 card says, you thought I was dead? No way. So um, I really think that uh, there's just a lot of misstatements made by Thomas Colbert, because in addition to trying to talk about the letters in the 1980s, he said the Zodiac did not take credit for crimes anymore. Absolutely not true. As I just said, in the 1986 letter, he took credit for a double homicide. And I know that um, we can just look at any type of particular detail, but again, these people have said that they have solved the case and they want to go on um, somewhat of a popular talk show host program to try and talk about this. And the basic facts just simply are not in order. But one thing I did notice was that Tom Colbert talked a little bit about Lake Tahoe, and they really didn't share all of the connecting points because Megyn Kelly as an interviewer almost completely skipped over the point that the case breakers have mostly built their theory on how the Zodiac Killer is connected to the disappearance of Donna Lass on um, September 6th of 1970 when Donna Lass disappeared from the uh, Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino where she worked in State Line, Nevada. They talked about it a little bit but not that much. In short, um, they believe they have located the um, area where Donna Lass was buried, and they did say this in the interview, but what they did not say was that Dale Julin has claimed to have decoded the entire um, Pines card, which was allegedly mailed by the Zodiac Killer in 1971, taking credit for Donna Lass's disappearance, although it does not address her by name, it does not address her um, by any specific details or anything to of the sort. It just says something about um, the Tahoe region and the peak through the pines and so on. So, I mean, I'm really uncertain if that was even written by the actual Zodiac, although you can make a fairly convincing case that the Zodiac wrote the Pines card, but I really didn't even hear Tom Colbert talk about the differences between the letters and the cards. And this is important because if you're going to differentiate the letters and the ciphers, the Zodiac also mailed in cards, like the Halloween card. That's perhaps one of the most famous ones. And I talked about some of the other ones, the Peek Through the Pines card, the Eureka card, and the 2001 card. And they um, contain possible messages, but the casebreakers have built an enormous amount of their theory on the meaning of these cards because Dale Zulin, who has done a lot of the research for them, has proposed that Every single piece of art on these cards has some type of meaning that can be revealed as a sentence, and they're very intricate solutions. And this wasn't even my own observation, but somebody from the comments section just wrote into this channel saying, even if Dale Julin has found the guy, and Jerry Post is the Zodiac, his solutions to the uh, cards are probably just coincidental. I mean, so in short, what he does is he talks about how 
there is there are these pieces of artwork on the cards, and he comes up with more or less a page-long piece of text that he believes the symbols represent. For example, um, on the um, on one of them, it talks about, I'm the captain of the Hooten Tootin MS Dixie ship. Captain Gary Francis Post is the way that he signed off. And I should also say, some of you are probably wondering, well, Ned, are you going to tell us how he came to these conclusions and how he deciphered these pieces of artwork and how he got sentences out of pictures? No, because that has not been publicly revealed yet. I would love to tell you how he did it, but I think we're going to have to wait for Dale Julin's book to come out. And, um, I mean, I've said it about three or four times, but I wish he had been the person doing the interview. I think that he would have been a much better spokesperson. And lastly, in addition to talking about the case breakers and how the, t Tom Colbert was the founder of the case breakers, they also introduced him as the CEO of Comstatim, C-O-M-M-S-T-A-T-I-M, Comstatim, and I didn't know that he was the CEO of this organization, but I got on and it shows that they are, um, they deal with a lot with forensic investigations and so on, but they have a page for featured team authored books and apps, and their uh, one at the top is the Case Breakers, The Last Master Outlaw, the award-winning conclusion of the D.B. Cooper mystery by Thomas Colbert and Tom Shalosi. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, S-C-O-L-L-O-S-I. And the Casebreakers famously accused uh, Robert Rackstraw of being the being the D.B. Cooper um, skyjacker, the skyjacker who used the name Dan Cooper, who was um, incorrectly named D.B. Cooper, but as I understand, they've been found to have done a lot of very sketchy things. And Drew Beeson played a video on his channel, or he uploaded a video, rather, of someone who knew them personally, who was asked to plant evidence on Rackstraw. And I don't even want to say any more than that, but it sounds like some very sketchy things. But that is one of the books that they have there at comstatum.com, The Last Master Outlaw. Some of their other titles are Intelligence Operations, Understanding Data, Tools, People, and Processes. They also have Public Speaking for Criminal Justice Professionals, A Manner of Speaking. Yeah, I would actually like to uh, get that one. The Truth Detector, an ex-FBI agent's guide for getting people to reveal the truth. And there's also There Is No Goat, a, com a collection of insights into the Afghan mind. I'm going to give them credit. This is written by Jennifer Dunham. And yes, Jen Jennifer, I'll give you credit. You have my complete undivided attention. I definitely know what you're... I want to know what you have to say in a book called There Is No Goat. And um, I'm always curious how other people think, including those in Afghanistan. I kid thee not. And then they have The Like Switch, an FBI agent's guide to influencing, attracting, and winning people over. Ah, uh, well, I wonder if they're employing any of that in their media campaign here. And Dana Coleman has authored this next book, Never Suck a Dead Man's Hand. Well, okay, Dana. Um, well, I was going to do that first thing in the morning, but now I'm not going to. I appreciate your uh, input. And then they have Next Generation Sequencing and Forensic Science, A Primer by Kelly Elkins and Cynthia Zellner. So, loads of books that I would definitely want to read. Maybe not pay for, but if they were in the library, I probably 
would check out all of these books except for Never Suck a Dead Man's Hand because, well, why would you in the first place? I mean, we uh, don't judge a book by its cover, but they said the cover, not the title, right? Now, the Casebreakers have famously talked about D.B. Cooper, and as I said, they have this book out there, but they've also talked about the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa, and they say that they have located where Jimmy Hoffa has been buried, and Megan Kelly was being very skeptical and asking some questions, and Tom Colbert said that it was a location in Michigan, and I am so flipping glad that Megan Kelly asked this, because this is what I was thinking the whole time. So that means it's not Giant Stadium? No, not the 50-yard line. The hump by the goal line. And he, of course, said no. But I'm so glad she brought that up just to provide a little bit of clarity. But it goes to show you that these guys, the casebreakers, claim that they have solutions to numerous cold cases and unsolved mysteries and high-profile unsolved mysteries. The Zodiac Killer, D.B. Cooper, the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa, and their entire... Tire operation seems very, very questionable, and I'm definitely not impressed by anything that I heard from Thomas Colbert, other than those um, two observations that I said at the very beginning. But if you haven't he heard it yet, I invite you to watch Megan Kelly's interview with um, Tom Colbert. And if you have heard it and you just want to weigh in in the comment section down below, you can share anything about that one or about my response here. What do you think? And um, talk about Gary Francis Post as a Zodiac Killer suspect. And as I said, Gary Post was um, someone who was six feet tall. He was a house painter for the majority of his career. He um, more or less owned his own business, or hey, he operated a business. His business partner was named Rodney Hamlin. He was ex-Air Force, and he was involved in a very serious car accident, which left him with a scar on his head, which they say matches the Zodiac composite sketch, even though that isn't a scar in the composite sketch. It is from uh, the um, artist, more or less just added in some lines to show aging, and I believe that they misquoted the age of the um, witness descriptions, but I don't even want to get bogged down on that, just point out another mistake. Instead, uh, more about Gary Post. In Tom Colbert's theory, he states that Gary Post would have had a lot of mental instability after the uh, car accident, and then he was deployed to Greenland, of all places, stationed there in the military is perhaps a better word than deployed, and then that is when he truly lost his mind and became homicidal, and, you know, I think that the strongest thing in their case is if they can place Gary Post 15 minutes away from the Sherry Jo Bates murder scene, I'll be listening. I'm skeptical because I don't believe that Sherry Jo Bates was killed by the Zodiac Killer. I'm not convinced that any of these crimes, whether it's the Domingo Edwards murders or the disappearance of Donald Lass, were actually the Zodiac. But I'm always open to new possibilities, and if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But um, I definitely don't find their stuff to be the most uh, compelling, and I really don't know what um, what to make of Tom Colbert choosing to participate in an interview when he didn't really have all the facts together. But I think that um, Sirius XM wanted to get the point across that in 2021, all the media circuits, including Megyn Kelly's former home Fox News, were saying that the case had been solved. The casebreakers identified the Zodiac and it was Gary Francis Post, when in reality it is still an unsolved case, it is still open, and that she wanted to say this multiple times, 
the case breakers have simply put forward a theory. But what do you think about Gary Post as a zodiacular suspect? What do you think about um, any of the observations that tie him to the unsolved and un unconfirmed crimes? And anything that has been mentioned in this episode, or even if you just want to talk about Megyn Kelly, you can do that too. Put your ideas in the comment section down below. Anybody can write the show at blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com. You can also get me on Facebook. My personal Facebook is in the description box, as well as blackboxned88 on Instagram. And I will see you over there for the bonus podcast. Until next time.